This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We're back with episode 22 of the One Was Had a Dream podcast. As ever, I'm with Mr. Lee Finch. How are you, Finchy? I'm very well, thank you, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. My heart's just about got back to normal after the after the Rochdale game on Tuesday night. I mean, it's mental. Yeah, it, yeah. What can you say? Really, it was a uh, everything. The game. People say to me like, when you go watch football, I say I'm knackered after watching football, and they don't understand. They say, how can you be tired after watching football? Uh, and that's everything. The emotions that went through that game was every emotion. We were done. 2 0. Shit. This is rubbish. 2 0. We're back in it. Yes, that's it. We're going to go get a winner. 3 2. And then Pig misses a penalty and then he scores an absolute worldie. So. I know. I think my neighbours think I'm a nutcase. Um, some of the noises that were coming out of my front room. <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, I mean, the first 30, 35 minutes was great. You know, um, kind of exactly what we would expect from a Mark Robinson Wimbledon side um, over the past month or so. Um, then it seemed like they had one chance. They kind of broke and had one chance and that kind of revitalised them and they turned into a completely different animal. Um, and then their goal was coming. Um, I mean, if we're, talk- if we're talking negatives for a minute, I think all three goals are awful. We've kind of reverted to type in terms of defending. I think all three were terrible. Um, and, you know, the first half an hour, I was thinking, I think I was even messaged WhatsApp group saying, we're so much better than this lot. Um, you know, we can't lose to them. Um, and then pretty much kind of got put in my place with what happened. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's the only real negative, I think. You know, credit to Piggott, you know, to come back mentally, to bounce back mentally from the penalty miss to then score the equaliser, which felt like, I almost said winner then, because it felt like a winner. Um, I mean, it's just a roller coaster of emotions, really. Yeah, that's, to be fair, that's the kind of player Pig is. I don't think he, he gets it gets on top of him too much. He don't, doesn't look too stressed most of the time. He can be frustrating with the way he plays, and people are frustrated with him. But you always know if he gets a chance, he's usually going to score the goal. Uh, 
I, I was quite glad Mark Robinson came out after the game was not happy with the with the way we played in certain aspects of the game, especially as you said with our defending. You know, it, it it wasn't good. The third goal, they had how many four corners and they nearly scored with every single one of them. So you knew as soon as that went back post and they, he put it in, it was like, well, that was that was Ryan was on the wall. Uh, we haven't spoke about Ipswich yet, so first, there's not much to speak about regarding Ipswich, but I thought we battered Ipswich for long periods of the game. Again, Pig misses his penalty. I think if we scored out, I think we win that game and, and we're safe pretty much. And then we move on to Rochester. As you said, for 25 minutes, we were hunting in packs. I think they just nullified us, really. I don't think it wasn't the fact that we weren't, they weren't better than, we were better than them. I just think they were just none of, we didn't really have a shot on target first half either when we played well. So I think they just, whether the storm well, we were hunting in packs and, as you said, a Mark Robinson team. Uh, but then, yeah, they, they always look good going forward to Forest Town. So it's, it quite surprised me they were really, really down there struggling because their front line looked decent uh, and they caused problems from corners. Our restarts coach must be going mad because at one end, we look like we're going to score every corner and throw in attacking throwing that we take now. But on the other end, we can't defend a corner or attack and throw against us. So he must be going absolutely mental. And people, even myself included, was like, what's the point of a restarts coach? And now it's paying dividends with the goals that we are scoring from set pieces and, and the chances we are. Thing. But then the one good news and the one positive is Palmer scored again. So Arise Queen Richard Cassells. I can't wait for the first game. Hopefully it's going to be Sheriff Wednesday or something like that. And he's going to be dressed as a queen for the king. The king, uh, I think Rich messaged him on Instagram and said, oh, I am now your queen. And I don't know what he replied back, but yeah, I think that's brilliant. So, uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, we're going to be joined by Arash and Andrew soon uh, to talk about data and the new football committee that we found out a little bit about last week. Um, but before that, just really... We're one point away from safety now. So as much as last night didn't go exactly to plan, um, all we need is one more point. You know, we're we're almost there. You know, it would take, I feel like it would take a miraculous, not miraculous, what a miracle on Rochdale's part for for us to go down and then to stay up now. Um, so I feel, let's just get the job done. At, I'd, love to, I'd love it for it not to go down to the last game at Lincoln. I'd like to get the point on Saturday against Portsmouth. I, I think we're safe. I, I, if I was someone at the moment, if I was Wigan, I'd be shitting myself. They've got to go to Hull. I know Hull have already promoted, but Hull wants to be, Hull want to be champions. Uh, so, yeah, if I was Wigan, I'd be scared more than anything. But I think we're safe. Uh, I hope I haven't cursed us, but it's going to take a hell of a swing. You know, it'd be, it would be mad if we lost 2-0, 2-0 and Rochdale win 2-0, 2-0 and the other team, Wigan win as well. But I just can't see it with the way Robinson's playing and the way we're setting up. Also, you think Portsmouth and Lincoln, we've got to play. They'll, they'll come after us as well. They're, they're good teams. They'll try and get in amongst us and we've got the players now to hurt. I can't see Palmer starting on Saturday against Portsmouth. No, uh, I, I don't think he was fully up to it on... I mean, saying that he he scored a goal and won a penalty, but I don't think he was 
fully at it on Saturday. He wasn't the Oli Palmer that we'd come to see over the past few weeks. Um, you know, he was sort of second second to balls and kind of chasing shadows a little bit. Obviously, I don't want to dig him out too much. He's a good friend of the podcast, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he mentioned, remember he mentioned on the on the podcast, he did mention that there was things he couldn't do and maybe his back spasms and stuff like that. There's one bit where it goes across the box and you think just dive in, but we know after speaking to him that he can't unfortunately do that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fully fit Oli Palmer can, but I still think he caused problems and uh, he scored, he set up, he got a penalty. So, yeah, I just love the fact that the mind games was well in play as well from Robbo. Yeah, I was on the uh, interviews, said that he, he was out for long term. Uh, he, he literally was silent on all social medias. Uh, I asked him if he was going to be back or if he was injured long term, and that it was at him done, like shitting ourselves. He, he didn't, he, he's either ghosted me or he just he, he was keeping it under. On the wraps, I'm hoping it was the second one. Yeah, let's go uh, for one pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I I thought that was fair play because Rochdale would have been looking and thinking, well, and and they might have set up to go right. They've not got Oli Palmer when we really have, so that was good. But yeah, Paul's was a hard game because I I saw an interview with Danny Cali, the new manager of the Atkinson after the Atkinson game. He wasn't happy with the way they performed the other day, so he's going to want them to. To bounce back, so it's a tough game. Yeah, but let's just get let's just get a draw now. Let's take a boring nil nil, no shots on target from either team, uh, and, and we're in League One again next season. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd rip your hand off for that right now. Yeah. So we're going to speak to uh, Rash and Andrew Hardin now. Um, we spoke to them a couple of nights ago before the before the Rochdale game. It was a good chat, wasn't it? Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, Arash knows his stats, he knows his uh, his data, he knows what he's talking about with regards to that. Andrew's involved with the club uh, with regards to sponsorship for your golf travel. Uh, both massive women and fans as well, so let's not forget that. And yeah, I thought it was a really interesting conversation about where we're going to go with regards to our recruitment and what we're going to be using to, to find players from lower levels and stuff like that to make us better. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So. We are now joined by founder and managing director of Your Golf Travel and most importantly, AFC Wimbledon fan, Andrew Harding, as well as Don's fan, Arash Rezai. How are we doing, fellas? Yeah, really good. Looking forward to the chat and uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, big fan. Yeah, I can't wait for it, um, talking about uh, data, so uh, it's a bit of me, yeah, let's go. <laughs> cool. you, you're a bit of a data data whiz, Arash, you work for Opta, is that right? Yeah, yeah, worked at Opta for nine years, um, from a football analyst to work in editorial, um, left in January, so working for the Racing Post now, but um, yeah, obviously I have a big background in data, and um, even now I'm still working with data, so yeah, love it. So yeah. Go on, Pidgey. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for Andrew for coming back on because obviously he was meant to be on a monthly special, uh, which we had a really good chat for an hour, but unfortunately it didn't appear on my computer. Uh, I did press record. <laughs> it was me that was left in charge. I did press record. I just think it's the computer's fault. So computer said no. Uh, computer says no. no. 
I won't. I don't take offence. I thought you might have deleted it, but uh, <laughs> having me back on, I'm quite happy that I've uh, made the cut. I thought you just. Oh, I didn't record, and don't worry about coming back in. On, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you did invite me on. I'm a bit of a fanboy of uh, one of the great things about social media, as I've seen a rash of games, and but you feel like you know someone better than you do because you see his tweets and they're sort of like the ones I look out for the most. And, you know, these crazy things that he comes up with, like that's the first win since whenever or the first time Wimbledon have scored two goals more in, in a game. And it's, I do believe in all that stat stuff. It does add up to the sum of, you know, Wimbledon being a successful club. So I'm probably just going to sit here in the background and listen to a rash talk as much as possible. So, yeah, um, over to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think every time we've seen each other is normally um, walking out the like out the back bar, and it's just yeah. a little bit pissed. You're like, "Hello, mate, you're right." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was always always smash coming out of that back bar. Used to, yeah, love it. Miss Kingsman, I was gutted we didn't get to say goodbye to it. It's uh, I've sort of I've have said to Ivor, it would be amazing if we could go back there and have one kind of like last swan song if Chelsea would let us back in. For, it would be fun to do it. Like I don't know what it could be like a an FA Youth Cup match there or something like it'd be amazing if we drew Chelsea away in an FA Youth Cup match and we'd like literally took over the stadium for a night that would be pretty cool but so yeah it was a great stadium or we could just play their ladies in friendly and then we could uh what's her name that manager who gave us a bit of stick (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. see how she likes that then see how she likes the rebels (laughs) 3,000 fans singing out (laughs) yeah yeah. that'd be a good goodbye she yeah she, she didn't like us did she but yeah, I, yeah. The video I put up, she didn't. She weren't too complimentary, and then she literally backtracked straight away. So, not because of me, obviously, but because of <laughs> the uh, the backlash she was getting from it. But yeah, good luck to her. We've done it right, haven't we? So hmm. yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're doing right. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. So there was an interview uh, with Joe Palmer on the official site last week. Um, we got a bit of more of an insight into the new recruitment committee uh, and their sort of introduction. To Don's fans of Will Daniels, our new recruitment and analysis manager, or maybe not so new, according to LinkedIn, Vinci, is that right? Yeah, so I, I was quite positive when this news broke. I was quite happy with it because it's something I think we should be looking at doing. If you look at teams like Brentford and Barnsley, I think Barnsley are huge in it now. Arash might mm. uh, confirm that, but I'm sure they're, they're huge with regards to data, stats and stuff like that. That's why I think they signed an American striker just based on stats and stuff. And they're doing really well <clears throat> from literally nearly getting relegated in the championship to playoffs now. And so I was really positive about it. And I thought it was really good. Uh, and then I saw a couple of tweets and think uh, kind of annoyed me a little bit. So I might go on a little bit of a rant now, but and Arash will jump in and, and, and tell me to shut up and stuff like that. If he, if he needs to, I'll be quite happy. But a couple of tweets I saw, and I respect everyone that tweeted. I, I, I speak to them quite regularly. And there was uh, one that said, it's literally a cheap version of Brentford. Well, that's that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, we don't have the money that Brentford do. It's taken Brentford a few years to get to where they are in regards to their B model, finding players and selling them on for large fees. They bought Ivan Tony for five million. He's probably worth, what, 30, 40 million now if they sold him tomorrow. So that ain't bad business when you look at it, but we haven't got five million to go buy a striker with. Another point I saw was... Uh, that people said about having Don's trust, Don's trust board members in with regards to the football committee. I totally disagree with that because the Don's trust board, I've said it many times, I think this is one of our strongest boards. But if you look through the names on there, and, and I could be completely wrong with this, but I look at the names and think none of them will have football recruitment in their CVs. 
I doubt any of them have got data or they might have data in their CVs, but I doubt they've got football data, football statistics on their CVs. Uh, I know, I don't think a lot of them are coming from betting backgrounds or anything industry like that with regards to how statistics work. So why are we going to have a Jane Lunsdale, uh, a Xavier Wiggins in the football committee when they've got no idea they'll be exactly the same as me sitting in it, not having a clue what people are talking about? Uh, I also saw another comment saying, why is our CEO in it? This is a CEO who has worked for Shakhtar the Next. He has worked for Sheffield Wednesday. We, some people treat him as like he's just some kind of Joe, Joe Bloggs off the street that we've got in and said, hey, oh, mate, you're going to be CEO because Eric was retiring. He's not an idiot. He has worked for big, big clubs. Shakhtar the Next being one of them. Again, they used to find players from Brazil, from Africa, and sell them for quite a high price. Uh, and I think the f football committee is the way to go. Two good scouts. I just wish we knew a little bit more about, uh, what's his, Will? Is it Will Harris? I always get names Will, wrong. Will Daniels. Will Daniels, see? Always, always, always get names wrong. But yeah, Will Daniels. I don't know much about him. I'd like to know more about him. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what I think. I just think, why are we going to have people from the Don's Trust board on a football committee when they have none of that on their CVs or their backgrounds? What are they going to bring to the table with regards to recruitment? Well, like, I, let's, I guess like sort of playing devil's advocate, why should Joe Palmer be making football decisions? Like, as in, he's, you know, he's installed as the CEO, so he makes a lot of the other sort of decisions. But should he be making, you know, should he be playing almost like a football manager role and saying, you know, he's one of the five people, he likes this player, do you think he should? Should be, you know, making those decisions. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but he, he again, where he's worked previously with Sheffield Wednesday, Shakhtar the Next, he will have contacts that we might not not know about. So he'll be going, right, I've got, there's an agent I know, he's offering these five players. <clears throat> then it's up to this Daniels guy then to hopefully look at statistics behind the players or the scouts to go and have a look at them. Again, we don't know how far we're going to go out and broad like go out. You again, the Barnsley model. Do you know anything about the Barnsley model, Arash? You're the only one I thought would do. I I don't, but they've been very successful this year with whatever they're doing. Yeah, I think with um, with Barnsley, they've sort of gone down the youth route a little bit as well, where they try and get a bit of value out of players. Um, so if they sign them up young, like a you know, I guess they signed Toby Civic off us because they saw. Mm -hmm. They can get him for this price, but they think they can develop him. And obviously, they've done well. Loan didn't really work out too well, but the idea was there. I've loaned to Belgium. He gets into you know a new scenario. He's never been there before. He's out of his comfort zone. You know, he's come back, but he's actually in the team. So it has worked out in some way. Whether he's grown as a person, he's gone from he was a boy when he played for us. Um, yeah. He he looked like a boy. He wasn't built, and now he's sort of come back and he's a man. He's playing defensive midfield. He's playing right centre back in the back three. You know, he seems to be quite versatile. So they're obviously finding sort of a niche where can they bring in a young player and do something like that. And I guess what we've sort of gone down the route of, of recently is having a very young squad. You know, it's well known that it is probably us and Barnsley and um, maybe one more of the youngest teams in the EFL. So um, I guess there is that. If we can get that, those younger players in, whether we develop them through, you know, the youth setup, or we can bring them in from other clubs, even if we sort of, you know, try and find potential like, we found Jack Rodoni, who, what was he, Palace. Um, there's a few players like that. If we can get them in and maybe sort of somehow get those stats on them, 
and then bring them in and develop them. I mean, that'd be brilliant if we can, you know, we've been dying to have that one player that we can sell for a million. And once that, yeah. that might get the ball rolling. And then people start looking at women and go, oh, they're no mugs. They're not a pushover. We don't wait for, you know, the summer to, to get them on a free or, oh, we know that they'll, they're desperate. They, you know, they need the money. Uh, we can get them for 100 grand, 200 grand. You know, I agree. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the things I, I think is the thing is what impressed me the most about the statement is as well with regards to our youth, as you just said, is that we're going to be giving our first year uh, pro contracts a longer contract. So when we're not going to be losing the Joe Berzik that's gone to Stoke now, and Stoke are talking about him being a thirty million pound stri- uh, striker. He's a goalkeeper, thirty million pound goalkeeper. <laughs> Where if you think back when Joe Berzik was at Wimbledon, I looked at him and thought, how is he going to be a professional goalkeeper? He's skinny. He he, he wasn't commanding. Like or he, you didn't think a bit like uh, the young goalkeeper we have now. I think oh if he can himself up a little bit and get a bit of weight behind him he could be a really good but yeah Joe Berzik was one where I thought well let him go we're getting money out of him same as Civic I thought yep let's let him go because 250 grand was a steal I wasn't a big fan of Sibs but some people loved him but yeah it seems to be working well at Barnsley uh, I think one oh sorry I was gonna I was just gonna say one thing that about recruitment is <clears throat> I've sort of got a real life example of it which was I was at um the day we signed Lyle Taylor, I was actually, or the, it might have been a couple of days afterwards, I was um, at Royal Ascot with uh, Neil Ardley and Ivor, and we were, you know, we were there watching horse racing. And there's a guy in the golf industry called uh, Keith Walters, who is very high up at the European Tour, and he's also a board director at um, Scunthorpe. <clears throat> and basically, um, Lyle had played at Scunthorpe. And he was, you know, he had a couple of drinks and, and I always wind him up about the story, but he was saying that you've gone to sign the worst football player that I've ever seen play professional football. This guy's got absolutely no chance. He won't even score a goal for you. He won't get in your team. And, you know, the blood was draining out of Ards's face. I was looking at me thinking, oh, I don't think Ards has got this one wrong, you know, and Little do you know, you find, and Keith's a good guy. He knows his football. Like I say, he's on the board at Scunthorpe. He's been around the game for a long time. He's an ex-professional sportsman. He played in the European Tour of Golf. So he kind of, you know, he knows the professional sport arena. You know, and he's, he goes home and Scunthorpe and, and has watched probably a thousand plus games of football. So, you know, from a, uh, you know, from that point of view, he probably, you know, knows the game a little bit. And he's, t- he's, he's talked about a player as, you know, this guy will be playing non-league, you know, and, and all of a sudden he's probably our best signing in the professional era, arguably. So, and he's certainly gone on to play, you know, in the championship. So yeah, an, an interesting one about how complicated recruitment is. Yeah, I get, that's what I think a lot of teams now are moving away from allowing just a manager to deal with it because they know, because like Neil Ardley, when he came to us, he was a youth team academy manager at Cardiff. So everyone was like, well, how broad will he know across the board and stuff like that? And he went back to Cardiff a few times with some of the players we signed. Some of them were awful. Some of them were really, really good. And this is why I think a lot of teams are trying to go with regards to money ball kind of situations where they're trying to use stats and data to try and sign players going that this this kid's quick. Or I, Again, I, we might have to come back to Arash in a minute regards to how data and stats are used in football, especially with recruitment. Uh, go on then, Jay. Well, yeah, I was just going to sort of touch on what you've said there in terms of, you know, uh, the Brentford model interests me. I don't know too much about it, but I know sort of would this whole data uh, recruitment strategy, would, is that sort of like a new wave of 
scouting players? You know, do you will it will it replace you know send old school sending out scouts to games to watch players, or is it sort of how to whittle down a short list to find these these are the players that we think will fit the system? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's what I think it is. I think um, some people think negative about data and you get the old school people like I don't need data I just use my eyes you know I don't need these numbers I can you know I can see a player a good player a mile off but I think there's so many different ways you can use data and using it intelligently and it is that it's sort of maybe having that short list and you know that, that that's what I did at sort of Opta we'd have journalists for example from the editorial side of things would come you know you get someone from the sun or the um the times but look we want to do a piece on x player you know, we want to talk about this. Are there stats to back it up? Or if not, can you give us the other side so that, you know, you're either backing up an opinion or you're saying actually what we think isn't actually correct and you can sort of build it on that. And I think um, I think that's how you can use data so well. It's to go, look, it, you know, let's, let's model it, say, Robert wants to do four four two next season. Um, he's not happy with our right winger. He wants a really pacey right wing. We haven't really got anyone... Um, you know, we're going to lose Longman, who sort of plays in the 4 3 3, whatever. Um, so then he can say to, I mean, I guess I'd hope he'd say to Salah Will and be like, look, these are the attributes I want. And then you'd sort of you'd have a, a model of, of those attributes. But I guess that goes back to, well, you know, with Will. I don't know Will Daniels, um, but from what I've seen, he's been at the club since uh, November 2019. So he's had three transfer windows, but I don't know at what capacity he's been working. Is he just been like a consultant that's sort of popped in a couple of days a week? Um, is he just, you know, is he, is he a few hours, maybe an hour a week? Uh, does he only come in on weekends? I, I don't know anything about him. Um, so, and then you also look that he's also got another job. Is he going to be part-time or is he going to be full, is this his full-time job now? And he's going to leave SpreadX, who he's been with for what, you know, nearly 20 years. So I think that's just interesting. I, I want to, I want to know more about him. So, I did message, um, I did put a tweet out and say, at Don's Trust, and say, you know, can we get a, you know, a, a Zoom call with him? Because I think they've been really good over this season, having Zoom calls with Joe and some of the other guys. You've actually got to know them, and what they've got to say is brilliant. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I totally agree with what you said. I'm going to come back with two points and then a question to you all. So two points you mentioned about, I know you were just saying, using it as an example about quick winger, but then we let Dylan Connolly go, which... <laughs> You know, if we had kept him, I think we'd have been frightening this season. Uh, and the second point is regarding data and stats. It doesn't always work because, again, another team that uses it big time at the moment is Brighton. Brighton are using this expected goals, which I, I blows my mind because expected goals, it's all about goals that go in for me. Like, I don't, <laughs> you'll, you'll know about expected goals and it really, I just don't get it. And it, I just think, well, what's the point of it? And that's because I don't get it. So, you know what people like? They don't get something. They're like, nah, shit, I'm not having it at all. And that's where I'm from. Uh, a question to you, and I think you touched on it there with regards to uh, Will Daniels is, should we have known a little bit more about him before they have put the release out? Because as I said, he's been, on his LinkedIn, it says he's been here for since 2019. Do, do we, do, should we have had an interview with him straight after they announced it kind of thing? And is that what you guys, is that one of the things that you guys would have wanted from the club to say, this is who this guy is and what he's going to be doing exactly kind of thing? Just on that point, um, what does Will do at SpreadX just out of interest? I mean, if you say he's got another job, I presume he's an odds compiler there because that would be 
that would be quite a good kind of reflection of how much time he's got to dedicate to AFC and, and the recruitment side of things because, you know, that's a pretty full-time job being an odds compiler. According to LinkedIn, he's a senior sports trader at SpreadX. Right. Whatever okay. that means. So he'll be fixing the odds and the spreads there, I presume. And yeah, I mean, I know a few traders at uh, another spreading betting company and, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big job and, you know, the numbers involved are pretty big. So, but what I would say on the flip side of that is that a lot of these guys and Arash are probably know better than me in terms of the sort of numbers, but a lot of those kind of data scientist guys who are crunching the numbers and they're paid big, big numbers. Like these aren't guys who are earning 20 grand a year. I'd imagine a lot of the good ones, uh, particularly if you talk about the Barnsleys and the Brentfords of this world, a lot of their data science guys, you know, these will be people that have got, you know, as high level maths qualifications you can have from top universities, there'll be six figures because if they weren't doing this, they'd be working in the city earning bundles or they'd be working for Google. So it, that again is a challenge. You're in a very difficult kind of recruitment space there in terms of, you know, money wise. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And that was another sort of question when I sort of talked about modeling is how do you model it? Because a lot of people, what they'll do. So when I used to work through Opta, we also sold data feeds. So you sell that data feed and that has all the endpoints and everything like that. And you can go away and do what you want with that data. So you can manipulate however you want. And often it'll be data scientists using Python and R and all these different coding systems to sort of, you've got the basic data like passing, but you don't, pass completion doesn't mean anything on its own. It's a rubbish stat. You need to know how progressive those passes are, where, where those passes are happening. You can use that with data science. Now, my, my interest is how are we going to model because it's interesting. He obviously is, is, is going to be, a, I'm sure he's a great guy, you know, 17, like I said, 70 odd years at SpreadX. That's a, a long career, a senior trader. Um, but there's a difference between compiling odds and, you know, doing that and working with performance data. Um, and, you know, he, I know he's a women fan, but is that a good thing? You know, does it, does it really matter that he's a women fan? Because, all right, maybe you might get him on the cheap and that's probably how maybe we're doing it. But I just want to know a little bit more. So, um, I guess the other thing I was going to say as well is that it's all well and good having data, but, which sort of follows on to this, but it's, it's having someone that knows how to use the data. Um, so that's my only, would be my only concern is, do we have the experts to use the data correctly? Yeah. Can I ask Chris Harris, have you ever been approached by the club? Because obviously you've worked with statistics and data. Do you, do you know what they're going to be using? I'm guessing you don't because of the tweet you put out the other day. That you don't even know what they're going to be using to compile it. Is it is this Nick Dawes's system that he put together that we spent year or two year putting together when Wally was there, and we were putting this brilliant scouting piece together that got us Adam Rossgrove, uh, and 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 that's about it. Like, do you know what I mean? It, it's true though. Nick Dawes was there putting this. We were going to be ahead of the curve regards to recruitment, and it ain't really worked out. And is that what they're going to be using still, or is it? Is he going to be coming in and using? using his own system. I, that's my only downside to what I, I said. I was positive, but then when looking in, it's like we haven't got much information. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's another thing. It's that data isn't just, you know, you have one data set, you have Opta, you have, um, you have StatsBomb, we're big in the game now. StatsBomb are competing with Opta. You've got um, Yscout, which is basically Yscout is like the cheap version that a lot of people are using but the data isn't always the best, um, whereas Opta is the best data. I know I used to work there, but <laughs> it's very expensive at the same time. So I don't imagine we'll be using top level stuff. I imagine we're using basic stuff. So that's where you really need to get 
you know, a good data scientist in. But I know of people in, in recruitment um, and there's, like, you could, I know there's, there's a, a club that I won't talk about, but they used this company and they're from League One and we don't like them. But I, I know people that work for that company and they, you know, what you do is you go to them and they're a solution. So they'll come, you'll say, this is the player I want. They've got their data scientists. They'll work that all out and they'll come back and say, these are the players we think you should be approaching. And that's for, and then I guess that goes back to what we're saying about what Jamie was saying about, you know, you get that shortlist. Then you go and talk to those players. Then that's where I guess Robbo could come in and be like, is that the player that is, you, you can talk to someone in five minutes and Robbo will, I thought Robbo will know he's the one for me or nah, he hasn't got it. Or, or you go, there's something about him. But I think that's the interest is how, how we're going to use sort of that data and like there is so many different different suppliers and providers. So could this potentially be like the first step on sort of the road to becoming like a Brentford or a Barnsley? So obviously we might not be have the financial capabilities to do something as big or as grand as that now, but this is where we're on the right track in terms of using data in this way is concerned. I think so personally. I think that that should be the long-term vision. I think the AFC, uh, there's one thing that I'd want to just touch on, because I think it's, I'm not sure if it is something that our fans kind of consider as much. And I know it was something that, um, you know, previous managements would have struggled with is that when we compete for players, I think that, you know, we have to understand that, you know, uh, know, the location, the club being Southwest London is, is a fantastic attribute, probably when we've hopefully reached the championship and Premier League, you know, longer term. But when we're League One and salaries are kind of, you know, their players earn very good salaries, but they're not earning mega dough where they can kind of go and live in Wimbledon Village or, 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 or Cobham or places like this. And, and I think that's quite, you know, you know, in terms of like managing data and understanding it. So that's one that you, you can have a data that says, right, go and get this player, you know, John Smith from uh, wherever a club up north. And he's, he, he takes a look at Wimbledon in Southwest London and says, I'm not sure about that. There's, you know, in terms of my cost of living, bringing my family down and, and that side of things. And I think that's, that's, that's a kind of big risk for us. I think where that flips is if we go into the championship and you start, you know, we bring in players at that, you know, that suddenly then becomes a strength of ours because those sort of players want to live in Southwest London and, and so forth. But at the moment, I do think that's a, a big restriction. I know that was a challenge that we had with James Hansen. He, you know, wanted to go home and, and go and live back up north. And, you know, he, he I thought he was an amazing player and, you know, potentially could have stayed another season, for example. But, um, you know, it's just in, going back to sort of Arash's point is that, it's it's how you kind of look at that data. So, for example, you know, and this is a stupid example, but one of the things that we look at in our business at Your Golf Travel is call stats, and and we look at people, and there's actually so many metrics of what is successful call stats. It's not just time on phone; it's average length of uh, phone call, how many times you call back a certain customer, and and you measure that. But when we first started the business, we literally just had call stats. We like, oh, you're on the phone three and a half hours a day, fantastic. But we couldn't understand why salesman A would be on the phone three and a half hours a day, and his sales would be through the roof, and he'd be amazing. And salesman B was the opposite, and he'd be like. But then, as you say, you work out the data and, you know, we actually have a girl that works for us and, you know, um, I hope none of my employees, I don't want to watch this, but she's very, she's probably one of the highest paid people in the company. And that's all she does is manage data. She used to work for Tesco's and, and, and basically kind of like manage data in their shopping environment. And, you know, she is a, 
she understands all that the intricacies of that data it's really really complicated and i'll be truthful a lot of that goes over my head so in terms of that committee that looks at that i think that's where you need to have those skill sets and in, in terms of the dom's trust it's not to me whether there should be someone in the dom's trust on there or not it should be is there someone qualified on the dom's trust to sit and understand that data and if there's not then they shouldn't be there because it's pointless waste of time and if there is then let them sit on there yeah no, that was my point regarding someone said someone has to be from the don's trust board beyond on that uh and as i said I, i'm looked i looked across and i thought i know i know xavier in, he was in property charlie i'm not 100 percent sure i know like, i know the people on here but i can't see them being massively into data statistics or anything like that. i could be totally wrong because 100 three or four could be in the week going yeah that i've done data statistics and all this and it's like well brilliant i do think though who's going to hold account of the football committee because again, Arash makes a good point. If Joe Palmer's going, to, I, I agree. Joe Palmer should. I think Joe Palmer should be on there. That's my opinion. But who's going to hold Joe to account if he's the CEO? He's the top level person. So the Don's Trust should be at least getting minutes from the meetings to make sure that they are discussing the correct stuff. But I'm hoping that to a certain extent, Robbo will hold them to account because Robbo is going to be going to him and going, "I want this player," and then he's going to do his character assassination that he he said he will do on him before we sign them because their stats could be through the roof. But if they turn out to be dicks, Robbo's gonna say, No, I'm not I'm not gonna sign you. And talking about Dick, there's that the one player I was gonna was talking about earlier was Daryl Dyke from at Barnsley. And he, they've signed him on loan from Orlando City. And that must it's only got to be through statistics or someone's contact. They've signed him on loan till the end of the season with a reported twenty million option to buy and twenty percent sell on fee. We all know that Barnsley don't have 20 million to go buy a striker. So they're banking on this kid coming in and banging them goals to get them into the premiership to then be able to afford to buy him. So where that, that, that's what we need to start doing. And if it, does, if it didn't work out, he went back to, he goes back to America and he, he, he doesn't play in, in football. And it's kind of giving him, it's going to point a little bit, it's giving him that choice now that you come here, you come to our club, you do really well and we'll buy you and you'll be in the premiership playing football, which is going to raise your profile to then say, move on to a bigger club. And that's what we need to do. It's either statistics or contacts with that's a fine line for me. Yeah. And I think, you know what I think will be good with recruitment is that I feel like Robbo has a system and he, he I feel like he's going to, we're going to have a better quality. We'll hopefully get a better quality of player because people like to play good football and hopefully he can sell the club. And we can get some of those those good good signings in, um, like what what we've done with like Ryan Longman and and stuff this season. Um, I know a bit of that is is Glenn. You got to give a bit of respect to Glenn for getting some players in like George Dobson. And you know, you can look at the track record. And obviously, Rambo is our shining light. He's the one we can go look what we've done to this kid. Um, so I think recruitment is just going to keep getting better and better. I'd say the only thing that could sometimes hold us back might be the training ground. Um, we've now got Plough Lane which is amazing which will, people will get a buzz off you know you walk in you think wow oh, not that, that I've done it but um, <laughs> but it does look good on, on TV and that's photos but um, yeah that's, that's what I hope as well that the recruitment will help and we should get some better players in next season because I'm, I'm sure we'll be in League One you'd hope that you know results go well um, but yeah let, let's, let's hope we can get some decent players in with, with with this new style of football. Yeah, I get your point regarding the training ground, but if you look across League One, other than, say, Sunderland, like, even Hull, I don't think, there's not many teams that have this amazing training grounds. Do you know what I mean? They, 
some teams they still play on parks because they had to sell. I think Rochdale was one of them. They had to sell, or someone had to sell their training ground. So they're playing on park yeah. pitches and park. They're playing on parks when they can, and moving it about. Another player that we found that uh, was decent as well was, and I think this is where people get mixed up with regards to women's recruitment. I always find that it's not too bad. It's hit and miss across the board. If you look, we had Marcus Force that pretty much kept us up a couple of years ago with, with Rambo, yeah. who was scoring goals for fun. We had Kelly Ruse, who left us, went to Bristol and had an absolute nightmare and everyone thought that was him done. He's now Derby, or they're not doing great in the championship, but he got him in the playoffs when he was Derby goalkeeper. We've had some really good signings. Lyle Taylor's, again, as Andrew said earlier, he, he's one of our shining lights on our, and one day hopefully he'll come back. But that's if he's I think our recruitment's been incredible. Mm. Like genuinely, like if I look since we've been in leagues uh, two, you know we've got promoted out of the conference. I think actually, I think there's too much spotlight is on it. And if I'm going to play like real devil's advocate now, and I'm really open about this, and I'm so happy for the guy if I use him as a the sort of shining example of what I'm about to say in terms of because he is literally the nicest bloke you'll ever meet in your life is Will Nightingale. I mean, and he loves the club. He's a, he's a tremendous human being. Um, he looked shot in January and he's probably, and I hope, you know, I know Will, so I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, but he did, you know, he, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I was joking with him the other day calling him Sergio Nightingale because, you know, he's coming up, he's, he just looks like he's got that chest puffed out. He's like, I belong here in League One, you know, I'm a player. And, you know, that can only be down to Robert. I, I personally think there's only one guy who's responsible. And there's a, a number of players through that team that back in whenever it is, uh, when we sort of probably hit the, probably the MK game was the what game where, I mean, literally I was broken that night, but I was looking around that squad thinking, this lot are useless. Now I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, if we keep this squad together, we'll go up next year. And if you look at the last six game form table, I know that's me looking at it massively kind of optimistically, you're seeing like a lot of players like Dobson and, 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 you know, I know we won't keep Longman, but it's just, we look like we're a threat going forward all of a sudden. And so then I'm sort of, I know we're having a conversation about recruitment, how important it is, but then it's, I, I don't know what to think anymore because I, 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 I remember when Ivor said to me, you know, just a heads up, we're going to, we're going to appoint um, uh, Robbo. I, my view was, I hope we give him a season and a half because I felt like his, um, like mindset and and sort of long term vision needed to be given time. I didn't think he could turn it around this quickly. Like no chance. Um, he has done, and uh, you know that's testament to you know his management skills and you know something that he told me ages ago at Kings Meadow and I, I said it um, you know in the non recorded podcast. But you know he was talking about if you look at how many great players he's seen come through academy football at AFC Wimbledon you know kids who thought he'd make it and they didn't his viewpoint is you have to be a brilliant football player to make it as a pro like there are you know all four of us on this call uh, would swap our jobs to have been a professional football player and you know and done what these guys are doing and um, so you know from that point of view is you know how important is the balance between coaching and recruitment and I just think with Robbo I do feel like we've got a really exciting coach and that's, you know, I, I just, I'd, I'd have hated it if we'd have gone for like an old stalwart type manager. I, I can't think of one that jumps off the page, but you know, that kind of guy who's been at like eight clubs and he's just there to pick up a salary, but we've got someone who just lives and breathes and, you know, dies for AFC Wimbledon. 
yeah, spot on, mate, to be honest with you. Um, and speaking about Robbo, obviously there was a note in the uh, interview on the official site with Joe Palmer where he sort of says how when new managers come in, they bring their own sort of set of ideas. They've got a, an idea of how they want to play. Uh, you know, they've got favourite play, players as well that they probably might like look to bring in, which obviously can be quite a costly um, exercise with loads of changes coming in. Um, when that manager then goes, then the whole process sort of starts again. Do you think that this new way of recruitment where sort of this committee go, this is how we want to play as a football club, this is sort of our ethos, this is our philosophy. Um, and then when and if Robbo does leave, I hope he never leaves, I love him. But um, once he does leave, then a manager that then fits that ethos comes in and kind of picks up exactly where, where Robbo picks off. Yeah, and I think with what Andrew just said there regarding Robbo, it's not just Robbo who's brilliant. It's he's the, he's the one who's leading it. But you've got below him now, you've got people like Rob Toovey, Michael Hamilton, uh, James, I can't believe I'll get his surname mixed up, but them in the under-18s manager. They're all really good coaches. And if you listen to the players and you listen to the club, they're the ones that are leading everything now and they're the ones pushing our youngsters, our first team. So we need to have, a, as, as Robbo said before, a pathway. It's not all about recruitment. If Robbo goes, it's not about getting the Cowley brothers in or, uh, as Andrew said, like a, a Pardew or someone like that who just wants a job to get their name back in. It's about going, actually, Robbo's done such a good job now. He's, say, stepping aside to become a director of football. He's retiring. Rob Tuvi can then step up to become a manager. He gets the same. It's the same ethos. Everything's the same. And that's where we go again. Regards to recruitment, and again, I think we don't need to recruit as much now going forward. I get, that's why I think it's going to be so. It's going. To, we need to get it right because I think we need three or four. Because look at Ayub Asel. I don't think he'd be playing now if it wasn't for Robbo, and Robbo had a point, and he, he, the kids taking it with both hands, the chance that he's got. But we we have other players in our youth team who are probably just as good as Asel, and hopefully they'll get a chance. So then we're not spending fortunes on players and we only then have to go out and find a Dobson, find, do you know what I mean, a Lyle. And that's pretty much all we need to do every season, two or three. Yeah, so that's another thing that's interesting with data solutions is is can we bring data in, into the youth team? And whether it's a, I don't know what sort of platform they're going to do. I know that when I was an analyst at Opta in the early years, um, like we they used to well so like Fulham would would pay for Opta to they'd basically send the games through and record them and I'd be one of the, the guys analyzing the games so then you get that data and give it to the kids and then they would look through the the platform and go look, this is what I need to do this is what I need to improve in and it's whether I know they do it for the first team but whether it's it's worth doing it for kids and obviously like mm-hmm. you've got a, a a young son would um like, would you think that would be good for him or is that a bit too much is it too much data it would he be a bit like jarred by it or would he thrive off it uh, it depends I think my boy would, it's, it's hard because he, he does get bored quite easily like most kids if you throw a load of data at him and if, if, it was, if it was coming from a coach or a manager I think he'd buy into it if it was coming from me he'd just say shut up dad like, what, <laughs> you're boring me with this shit like, I've told him stuff at football before He's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. The coach tells him, and he goes, yeah, no, you, I'll make you right. It's like, wait a minute, I've just told you, you div. But there's, I think, I there's a lot. Again, I, I talk about youth football a lot because he's playing uh, a level now where 
they're filming games now. They're using a VEO system. Don't know if you heard of it. It's, it. It films the whole games. And then all the players now, under 12s, 13s, are getting their videos so they can watch them at home. They can share them with their family as well. But they also get the analysis from it as well to say, look, this is where you should be. You're pushing up here and stuff like that. And that's happening at youth level, under 13s, below academy football. Uh, and I think, I think it's a bit too much. I think academy football, yeah, that's fine because these are the kids who are going to be going on to pros. Uh, yeah, but below that, I think kids should just really just enjoy their football. But I agree. I think at Wimbledon, we should be doing it. At, and, and you think, again, with something a bit off the, with regards to uh, players, was what Robbo brought in with the, what, the odd socks. Do you know what I mean? Just little things like that, totally different from data. But he, hopefully he's going to be thinking out of the box and bring in the stats for the kids as well. So I agree. But mm. it's very interesting. It's an interesting time at the club. But I just think we needed to know a little bit more about the guy who's going to be running the show. And, and again, I'd love to be able to contact the club and say, look, can we have him on here? And, and, and me and Jamie give him a grilling and a talking to because he'll then go across to the fan base and people will find it hopefully interesting in it and he'll to be fair it should be on club the club should be able to do it but if, if they're not going to do it then we'll happily step up because I think the fans need to know who who he is pretty much you kind of answered my question there but my question was going to be what do you think the, obviously we all kind of feel that we don't know quite enough about Will Daniels uh, obviously we'd love to have him on the podcast but failing that what, what do you think I know Arash, you mentioned a Don's Trust sort of Zoom call earlier. What, what do you think is the best way for us to get to know him and kind of get a bit more of an understanding about what's going on? I think, um, obviously, we sort of know his background it's in, in sports betting, but just, just what, what has he done with sort of performance data? Because um, he's been you know, good with data. And I guess like Andrew said, you know, we're at work, we have the calls and stuff, and it's how you manipulate the data. But it's it's how you know having that football knowledge of of the day to day. You know we're all football fans. You know we all know we all think we know this bit. You know a little bit of this and that. But what does he really know? Um, so yeah, just just sort of grill him about what he's used before and and how will he model sort of going back to what I said previously. Like how would you model, how how would you go about finding those players? Because we can all go on like whoscore.com and see you know this player's had this many tackles and. What is he going to? What advanced metrics is he going to put in? Does he know? You know, does he know any sort of Python? Does he? Obviously, he. I think he. It shows on there. He went to uni and did some sort of. I think maybe sport. I don't know. Something to do with sports. But does he have that sort of maths background as well? With you know, you know, does he have data science background? There's so many different questions to know, um, because you know, there's only five of them. I mean, you know, we can trust Robbo. Um, we don't know the senior scouts. Um, should we know? I don't know if we should know their names. I don't know. Um, they certainly you know they, they obviously they've split them into two. One of them is is probably going to be involved maybe more with like trying to get the really good loans from the Premier League and then maybe you know getting drip feeding those Championship League one players and you have sort of the other guy who's going to be going around the non leagues. But how much data is there in non leagues? Um, again, that goes back to data providers. What data can we get? I know that Y Scout do um, National League. But how are you going to get National League South or National League North data? Um, how much are we going to look abroad? Are we going to look at that data? Um, then, you know, is that going to change the balance of the team if you have 
you know, foreign players because it's not really the done thing in sort of League One, League Two because the money's not really there. Is it worth them? You know, there's so many different aspects and Bolo's going to be involved in that because if you can't got a guy that comes over that doesn't speak the language or has never lived in England, it's a big, you know, culture shock. You've got Brexit with the EU and everything going on there. There's, there's so many different aspects of, of recruitment now. The game, you know, it's, it's constantly evolving. So I've got two questions to you as well. So the Nick Dawes database that he put together, was that smoke and mirrors? Was that, did that really happen? Or do you, is that something that you, you lot believe in? Or Andrew, you probably know more than we do if it is actually a real thing. And with regards to uh, with regards to the recruitment side, where where would you think that we should be placing our time to more, or is it just let let them get on with it now? I think there was always a database in place. I mean, I think if you look at the recruitment record of uh, Ards, Coxie, and Bassey, you know, when you look at Robbo, Darius, Charles, you know, you look at that team that won at Wembley. Um, I always think that that peak team, you know, would arguably be beat any vintage team that we've had in League One. You know, it's probably the best Wimbledon team. You know, um, they were a fearsome bunch. You know, but again, that's where luck comes into it. You know, Jake Reeves was at the prime of his career. He's now playing, you know, in the conference. He's playing two levels below us. So you sort of catch play. You do need a lot of luck in football, and you catch players at the right time. I think Glyn and Nick were very unlucky with the way that COVID fell for the team. I think then it backed up a lot of games. Um, I don't think that then suit, you know, obviously not having Ollie Palmer fit, uh, I think put a lot of pressure on Pigs. And um, and if you look at Pigs' performance, it kind of dropped off a little bit uh, when he got a lot of minutes into him. I think he's played, you know, he's played over 3,000 minutes this season, which is, which is very, very hard, especially when he's playing against, alongside or up top, uh, on his own or alongside a, a young kid so um, you know in terms of you know that, uh, I suppose that sort of answers a question of, of the database and whether it existed it, I think it always existed and you know I think there, I'm not sure it was smoke and mirrors that's probably the wrong thing to say but there was probably just a different version of that database and you know and look things are you know business life everything it's all about pr and spin isn't it and it's what there's one version of always and you know two sides of the story is whatever you want to say and um you know we all sort of believe the dream don't we like you know you say <laughs> you know you love robbo you know give it till december i mean i you know look, mm -hmm. after the great escape after the great escape and bradford you know it was unthinkable to think that wally would last as many games as he did into the next season and that you know that was remarkable um and that's how football changes it is it is you know um, you know, right now, um, hopefully we can continue this momentum into next season. I think I think we will with Robbo, and I think that's one of his key strengths. Is I think he'll really connect the fans with um, uh, with the club. So um, sorry, with the players, and I think that's really really important at AFC Wimbledon more than anywhere else. I, th I think the the recruitment database it must have existed because obviously we were kind of sold that um, you know the recruitment sort of database or policies that we had in place before this new Nick Dawes database came in was rubbish and this was going to sort of revolutionise our recruitment policy and then obviously the players that came in weren't doing the job and like Andrew said earlier you know at the turn of the year when when we lost to Milton Keynes and you're kind of thinking right sell them all uh, whereas <laughs> now you're looking at them and you're thinking yeah this lot can actually play football um, so does that does that back up the the point of obviously we, we've recruited these players to play a three five two? They were shit in a three five two. 
but they're quite good in whatever the formation it is. We're playing the four, the four four two or the four two 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 or whatever. Ollie Palmer said last week. You know, so obviously they got something right, but then does that does that sort of uh, make the argument for uh, bringing players in to suit a certain style of football rather than because obviously these players have come in and haven't suited the style of football that we were trying to play at the time. Yeah, the change, the turnaround with Robbo has been remarkable, and and I suppose it, that would be another point for um, uh, Will uh, that would be. Uh, uh, would be an interesting post-season analysis of what went right and wrong in that kind of period in terms of, you know, what, you know, why, why were those, what were the big turnaround? I mean, there's the obvious one, which is Robbo is probably re-engaged with that squad and re-motivated them to an extent that they are now playing like man-possessed in some respects, because it's unthinkable after that MK game that we can be in a season where, you know, provided we don't lose to Rochdale at home tomorrow night, we're up, we'll stay up with three games to spare. I mean, it's just remarkable. I can't believe where we are right now. Well, when I heard it was uh, Will Daniels, I thought I may be a re- relative of uh, Phil Daniels. So hopefully <laughs> he can pull out some rabbits out of hats and, you know, be a little bit of magic in the in the transfer window do as well, but... See what I have to put up with, guys. Yeah, sorry about that. Ridiculous. Yeah, I do. So why are we all tune in, though? <laughs> oh, yeah, Rush, go on. So this is, I guess it's Nick, what you sort of said, I think one of your questions there was like, what, where, do we, where do we look? Where do we look to recruit? And I think we'd all like to sort of stay with like a sort of a, a model of signing young, hungry players where we can get some value out of them. But... You know, sometimes we have had our fingers burn and we've had some good and bad. You know, we've had like a Lyle Taylor who was sort of mid-20s or whatever and we got him and he'd had a, a decent... He'd already played about 100, 200 games or whatever, maybe 200. Um, but then we've had, you know, the, the trotters and sores and everything that happened under Ardley. That was, you know, everyone hated that time because we're, we're signing these players on their way down. But, you know, someone like, I'd say someone like the Woodyard, not, you know, no disrespect for him, but he, in terms of the quality, he's on his way down. But... He's been brilliant this, you know, this um, this second half of the season. He's thriving as captain, and we seem to have got this like brand new player, like Dobson. Technically, he's going down, he's, but next season we could be. You never know. We could be fighting up there, and we could be top half. Um, I, I think it's just hard to know. I, I'd like I said, I'd like to you know sign these young homie players, but we might have to sort of try and be wise, and, and that's where I guess the recruitment's going to be brilliant with Robbo. He's coming in, and can he? Can he look at these players in the eye and see if they've still got the hunger? See if you know they're looking for a pay packet because of COVID, or you know, are they really yeah. believing in the project? The problem we've got is, especially with women fans and football fans, is very again we've discussed so many times about being fickle. Is that we get Nestor has a bad game and it's like, well, of course he is. He's from non-league. <laughs> I mean, oh, Shea Alexander has a bad game. Well, of course he is. We signed him from non-league. But then Jamel Lowe will go and smash it for Swansea and go, well, why didn't we look at him? Because he was playing non-league. It's like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes it's hit and miss with him. And I know what you say about young and hungry. Uh, I think there is some good footballers in Budapest and places like that. So that's where we should maybe look at. <laughs> you want to go out and scout out there for them, do you, Finchy? I'm just coming up with the jokes tonight, you know, young and hungry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I completely missed that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know what that was way better you'll improve the third yeah. joke is going to be actually quite decent that was a good one but, yeah. Yeah, to be fair there is a lot of teams in Budapest I've been out there a couple of times and uh, they're, they're young and I, hungry 
one thing in terms of the data thing that I've, I've picked up on what Arash said there, which which I um, feel really strongly about, is that um, because of his stature, and you know, we've obviously discovered this young lad Asal, and he's absolutely flying, um, and you know, he's kind of been sort of thrown in at the deep end because it was kind of one of those where you know we had injuries and we you know weren't doing you know much in that kind of attacking third and maybe Robbo's gone where he, listen he might do something less yeah I don't know if you know whether Robbo's 100% sure on him but he probably thought he had nothing to lose um and how many players over the last um you know five ten years have we missed out on that if they'd have got bedded into the first team and they'd have had five ten fifteen twenty games out of that game time I mean one that stands out for me and I always remember this was Robbo that told me this was um talking about Tom Beer and um he told me about a youth team game where uh, under 18s, it was uh, Wimbledon versus um, MK. And they had uh, uh, Deli Alley playing in the centre of the park and, and we had Tom Beer. And basically, Robbo said to me, it was basically uh, Alley versus Beer. Like, he goes, it was just a one-on-one. Uh, he goes, he couldn't remember who, how many both of them scored, but they both scored at least like a couple each. And they both ran the game and it was 5-4 to them. And he goes, at that moment, he goes, I thought that there's two players there that will go on and play in the Prem, you know, championship worst case scenario. And you look at now, you know, and then Tom got released by us. He couldn't find a club. He's dropped into non-league, probably then loses a lot of motivation. Dare I say he's not fit enough because he's probably training, whatever it is. And suddenly that gulf between, you know, a Prem player playing for England. And I don't think Tom would have been at that level. And But he could have been easily a league one championship player. And, and Robert, you know, was, said he was one of the most gifted players he's, he's ever coached. And, and I, th- and that's where I love that kind of like stats thing and the youth team level is, is what is that pathway from youth into, and I can't remember, there's a kid that we released at the end of COVID. He was a center back. Uh, mixed Collins. race. Yeah. Ruben. And I saw Ruben around the ground and that kid for 18 years old, I mean, that's like, you don't see 18 year olds that physically look like that. I mean, the guy is, you know, in terms of like the first box you're ticking, that guy was an absolute man mountain, like athlete. Um, It was also an unbelievably nice, charming kid. Like you could tell that on a training ground, he's just the the type you want. He'd listen, he'd learn, you know, and unfortunately, you know, let him go. And I think he played in the... uh, behind closed door. And that's, anyhow, going back to what I was saying, my final point is just, I'd love to see how you could model out that pathway of how you take those types of kids to suddenly become 25 game like veterans, if you know what I mean, like 18, 19. And uh, because that, that, I feel that there's a, there's a big opportunity there. It's, it's a shame because it's a shame we're going to have to wrap it up now because uh, we, I could talk all day about this kind of stuff because I love recruitment and I know Arash loves his stats and he could be going on. <laughs> All night, but yeah, we have to. With regards to your point there, yeah, I think Ruben Collins is actually back. I think he played recently. Yeah, he played in a game recently for the under twenty threes. Well, he was on the bench for it, so hopefully he's been brought back in again with David Fisher. And, and you talk about uh, Tom Beer. I, I think you're right there. Unfortunately, he did suffer with an injury, I believe. Uh, but he's he's playing first team football now for Tunbridge Angels, and uh, Delhi Ali can't even make the Tottenham squad. So who's winning in that <laughs> one? So, but yeah. We'll wrap it up there. So again, lads, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's been really interesting and hopefully everyone will find it that way as well. So perfect. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, cheers for coming on, boys.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.